Hey everyone, this is Tom Singer. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to inform you about a special offer that I have to join a brand new group called My Sales Call. If you work for a small business or if you're a solopreneur, having some people to talk about ideas and best practices and to have a focus and accountability around sales is so important. It's so easy to get caught up in the busy work that we don't do what we need to do to drive the sales in our business. So I have started a weekly call where people can get together and share ideas around sales and then make a commitment to the group of what they're going to accomplish for the next week. It's just like if you work for a big company, your sales manager would have a weekly sales call. This is your sales call. Go to mysalescall.com to find out more and sign up today. Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Well, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table. I started this podcast five and a half years ago solely with the intent that I could have access to really interesting people who were doing cool things in business and therefore get inspired. But along the way, it's gone so much farther than that. There's so many cool people out there who listen to this show regularly, uh, contact the people who I interview. It's really become a little community, and I really appreciate that. But it goes back to this whole idea that if we get around people who are successful, who are doing interesting things, they can't help it. They have to leave a nugget, a theory, an idea behind that we can pick up and run with in our own business. Because I know one thing is true, and that is success leaves clues. So that's why I've been doing this show. And a year ago, I started pairing up once a month with the Austin Technology Council. And this episode is co-produced with the ATC. The Austin Technology Council is the largest tech industry organization in Central Texas. And they empower their members through insights, resources, and connections so that all of their members can succeed and thrive. And once a month, I work with them to be able to bring somebody from our Austin tech community uh, to the listeners of this show. And I'm really excited today because I've got David Perez with me. And David is the president of Lumen Insurance Technologies. And he works with startup tech companies taking care of all their insurance needs. And if you've got a business, you know that can be really confusing. And I thought it would be good to talk to him because not only is he an entrepreneur, but he works really closely with entrepreneurs. So David, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thanks for having me, Tom. And thanks to the ATC for... Uh, facilitating this. Absolutely. So David, I don't read the bios that like your PR people send and all that. Uh, I like to let you tell the listeners who is David Perez and what is Lumen Insurance Technology? Uh, sure. I'm not a bio guy either, um, but I'll start by talking about what Lumen does. Um, Lumen's a commercial insurance agency uh, headquartered here in Austin that helps the tech ecosystem, particularly startups with corporate risk. Um, usually get involved around an inflection point in the startup's life cycle. Um, I help with uh, DNO, which is directors and officers insurance, ENO, which is errors and emissions, uh, cyber liability, which is a hot topic right now. I'm sure we can talk about that later. Um, and, and other complex policies that startups might need as they go through the life cycle. And uh, my mission is to be the preferred insurance agency for tech startups and the VCs that back them. So how did you get into that? What did you do before you started Lumen? 
Well, actually, I was in the military before that. I was a nuclear weapons officer, which clearly translates directly into insurance. But, <laughs> well, uh, well, thank you for your service, first of all. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I wish I could do more and, and thankful for the people who continue to serve long after I uh, separated from the military. So you separated from the military. How does one end up starting their own insurance business? Well, what I found is there, there's two ways that people get into the insurance agencies. Uh, it's in the insurance business in general. It's uh, by accident or family influences. And mine was family influence. I had a uncle that worked for an underwriter. I had a brother-in-law that was in insurance. Father-in-law was in uh, personal insurance and uh, was just kind of around it and uh, got curious as I was looking to get out of the military. I was working on my MBA, uh, things like that, trying to trying to figure out what I'm going to do with myself when I grow up and uh, that's that's essentially how I got into the insurance business. So did you go to work for another insurance company first or did you just dive in and say, I'm starting my own? No, uh, I wound up working for a uh, commercial insurance agency here in Austin. Um, you know, great firm, uh, lots of great people there, uh, learned the ropes, uh, learned sales, learned you know, policies. We're very industry agnostic and, and worked with a lot of different uh, clientele and uh, and. You know, eventually started working with tech companies, which uh, didn't seem to be the desired industry that not just our firm, but a lot of other firms uh, cared to work with, particularly startups, and uh, for various reasons. And uh, so developed a little bit of a uh, affinity for helping those who nobody else wanted to help and <laughs> uh, essentially uh, went out on, on a limb and started my own company uh, to follow through on, on uh, that hunch. So it's interesting because I did a little bit of time in the commercial insurance business. Uh, it was not the right fit for me. Plus, uh, I went to work for Marsh McClellan, McClellan at the same time that uh, the uh, former attorney general of New York decided to go after them. And so everything sort of unraveled around me about six months after I got there. So the timing was bad and yeah. uh, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't my fit. But you're right about one thing, and that is a lot of people in that industry, they want to cherry pick the really big companies. They don't want to get involved yeah. with these small companies that Commissions aren't that big. A lot of them don't make it. Uh, and I found that to be very interesting, too, because, you know, I, I worked around startups with uh, both banks and with law firms before that. And if you could connect early on with the right companies when they grow, these tech companies are often really loyal. And I always found it very interesting that the insurance business, nobody wanted to talk to those little startups. And yet I thought, boy, that is a goldmine. So you're, you're obviously very smart. What uh, what led you into having this entrepreneurial tug to do your own thing? And um, I remember when I was getting out of the military, just kind of thinking about what I wanted to do. And, and uh, even in the MBA program on the admissions letter, I was looking at that the other day. Uh, I put on there that I, I wanted to lead a company someday. And, and so there's little seeds there. Uh, writing about it and thinking about it, obviously, are, are different than actually starting it. But, um, you know, d going out and, and, and uh, being con in control of, uh, the direction of a company and a firm and, and being able to start from, from scratch essentially uh, sounded appealing to me. And, and uh, so that's, that's really what led to it, uh, seeing that niche and then, and then executing on a plan that, that I developed to, uh, to go after that niche. I talked to a friend the other day who very similar to you was in a kind of a similar industry said that he used to sit in his office with the door closed and just stare at the wall thinking, 
God, why am I working here? Because he didn't have any control over the direction and he was very successful, but he didn't feel like anybody cared that he was successful because, you know, the other partners, everybody was out for themselves. And he said that he's been gone for over a year and he goes, I don't stare at the walls anymore because he can't because he's running his own business. So, you know, I think I think there's a lot to that. Absolutely. And, and even even more so, uh, I work out of a co-working space, Galvanize, uh, that's over here off a second in Oasis. So uh, there are no walls here and the walls that are, do exist have, have glass on them. So, you know, <laughs> so no, st- no staring into space. That's right. that's right. That's right. So now that you've been doing this for a while, what is it that you love about that entrepreneurial life of controlling your own your own company? Yeah, there's, there's a lot to love and, and a lot not to love for sure. Um, I, th- I think about that famous speech by Teddy Roosevelt, the man in the arena. I think it's used a lot in the startup community, of course, but um, I was kind of thinking about this question the other day. And, and uh, if you kind of look at all the positive words and phrases in, in that section of the speech and then look at all the negative words and phrases in that section of the speech, um, that essentially is the positive and negative and what I like and what I don't like about uh, being in, in the role that I'm in now. You know, it's interesting uh, you bring up that Teddy Roosevelt quote that has become in the last couple of years, sort of a cliche quote, right? The, the man who's in the yes. arena, who's in there getting his face dirty. I, I can't recite it, you know, word for word, but yes. I, I actually had that hanging on the wall of my office 20 some odd years ago. That's my favorite quote. It's a little bit long to like put on a T-shirt or something. But yes. I have always loved that quote. And yet now when I bring it up, when I'm interviewed and people say, oh, well, like what's your favorite quote? And I use that. People kind of roll their eyes like it's cliche. Right. I wish I had like a picture of like 22 year old me going, no, look here. I had it on my wall. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and, and I agree with you. It is probably overused, but um, I think it's, I was talking to somebody the other day about it and they never heard of it. So <laughs> just kind of depends on who you're talking to, of course. Um, and, and, and you know, for the purposes of, of answering the question, I, I think that it, it really does. I'm, I've, I've heard it a gazillion times and seen it a gazillion times, but I've never done it where I just looked at those, like literally blocked out all the other words and looked at, you know, words like stumbling and, and doing better and being marred and coming short and shortcomings and, and failure. Um, and then and looking at it in the, uh, in the opposite light where you strive valiantly and, and there's effort and striving to do deeds, devotion, triumph of high achievement, daring greatly, worthy causes, enthusiasm. I mean, I think it's a little different when, when you kind of break it down to, to do, make it a little bit more meaningful than just kind of a quote you see when somebody's referencing it. So, I, you know, I love the quote. And if somebody <laughs> well, rolled their eyes at me for, for uh, liking the quote, then you know, that's not my problem. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, I've pulled it up here on my computer and I'm going to do something I normally wouldn't do. And that is I'm going to read it because you said something that was very interesting. And that is you said there's a lot of people who aren't familiar with it. And I realize that that is entirely true. So I'm going to do my best. It's only a few sentences long. I'm going to do my best to share it. And then I want us to unpack it just a little bit more. For sure. So it's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, 
who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who never know victory nor defeat. That's why I love that quote, man. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I mean, if you think about who we work with on a daily basis, we're working with entrepreneurs who are going out and, and either doing one side or the other and, and often do both, you know, every day. I mean, for me in particular, I, I fail at things every single day. <laughs> I've, I, I've been, I, I always make the joke that I've been married 28 years. You know, I've, I've made a lot of mistakes. Yes. Uh, talk about errors and shortcomings. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and stumbling. And uh, yeah, there, there's all kinds of uh, things you can unpack, not just in business, but in life in general. Absolutely. But I, but I love that part about the credit belongs to the man who is in the arena because so often we see people sitting on the sidelines who say that'll never work or what is she doing? You know, she should have kept her job with the law firm and not gone off to start her own clothing line or whatever it is. And yet when these people succeed greatly, everybody goes, oh, they're so lucky. And it's like, no, no, they weren't lucky. They were the ones in there taking the risk. And I think, you know, this is more than 100 years ago that Teddy Roosevelt, you know, said these words. And I think that they are so true. And although we've gotten entirely off of track of where I wanted to go, I'm really glad that you brought brought that up because I'm like fired up again. I'm ready to go make a mistake again tomorrow. Well, uh, chances are you will. Uh, we, we make mistakes every day. We just got to learn from them, right? Well, and you and I both work around with a lot of entrepreneurs and CEOs and people who are starting companies. So, uh-huh. you know, um, my question is, what advice, since you are both an entrepreneur and you work closely with these people, what advice do you have for somebody who wants to get in the arena, who wants to get the dust and sweat and blood on their face? Yeah, I would say... Uh, first, seek wise counsel. And then uh, my second piece would be if you decide that's the route, burn the boat. And, um, you know, when, when I look back on on uh, my decision, uh, I, of course, have a close-knit group of friends that, that I trust and, and know me well and uh, that I can confide in and, and, and kind of work through some of these decision points. And, and also family members, uh, you know, particularly my spouse have been married 13 years and have three kids and uh, would be unwise not to uh, uh, make sure that I run things by my wife when I'm going to make a big, big family decision like that uh, for myself. Um, but the, the challenge that, that we have there is um, if we don't seek those, uh, that's why I have to put the uh, asterisk on wise counsel because uh, a lot of friends are like, yeah, go take over the world. You're going to be a billionaire, you know, and not just for me, but like, I've heard in the community, everybody wants to be positive and pump you up and, you know, don't let anybody put limitations on you. I mean, you can be, you can be a trillionaire if you want. And, you know, I, I think that's, uh, it's great to have loft, lofty aspirations if, if money is kind of your, your main driver there, but uh, the likelihood of some of these things are, are um, uh, it's, it, reality sets in. And so you got to take some of that advice and counsel with a grain of salt. And, and likewise, and this is maybe, a little too revealing about me and my family. But what I discovered is that my family doesn't want to see me uh, get hurt as a loving family unit. We are, I mean, we don't want to see our loved ones get hurt. 
we don't want to see our loved ones fail. And uh, sometimes that comes out in, in challenging what you're doing, which can be extremely healthy. Um, but their main motivation there is to not see you fail, not see you get hurt. And it can come out as a don't do it. Uh, as uh, a contrast, your friends are like, yeah, man, take over the world, you know, light on fire, let's go. And so um, I, I think that uh, another avenue for seeking that wise counsel is in people that you've developed uh, maybe an advisory role with or, or mentors and coaches and things like that, that, that can help you navigate through that decision-making process. Uh, somebody who's a little bit unbiased. Uh, if it was up to my grandma, I'd, when I got out of the military, I'd be uh, a mailman. Cause that's what, <laughs> in her mind, that was the safe government job. Uh, so you're just going to take that advice with a grain of salt. Well, in my business, I mean, I make my living speaking at companies like team meetings and, and, you know, when they bring the whole team together for like a sales kickoff or a first of the year thing or association meetings with their annual their annual conferences and a variety of different industries. And a lot of people want to get into the speaking industry because they see it from the outside looking in. They think it's one thing. And you bring up a super interesting point that in my industry is so true. And I know it's in, it's the same in every industry. And that is be careful where you get advice because there's a lot of people out there with like online courses on how to become a successful successful, you know, professional speaker, or how to be a six figure, you know, conference speaker or how to make a million dollars off a podcast. And all these people, they're making their money off the course. They didn't make any money actually doing the thing. So their advice is either and maybe they did years ago and their advice is either really dated or they've never done it. I'm surprised how many people have online courses on how to be successful at something who haven't been successful at it. So it's, I always tell people who want to get in the speaking industry, I go, go out and find people who are really earning money, like honest to God, getting a check for giving a speech and then talk to them about how they do it. Get, you, know, you said it, get wise counsel, no matter what industry you're in, not just someone who, who looks like they know what they're talking about, but someone who you actually trust knows what they're talking about. Right, right. And, and sometimes that professional advice might, might even be, you know, for me, uh, I engaged with an executive coach a number of years ago and, and, and wholeheartedly believe in that, um, you know, that avenue to, to seek counsel and help you think through things from an unbiased um, standpoint. And, um, you know, finding somebody who, even in that realm, finding somebody who's not going to tell you what to do. Uh, but somebody who's going to listen and help you process so you can make your own decisions. I mean, you can go down the, the wrong road, even in that route. Um, you know, there's, there's courses out there to help people become executive coaches. And I interviewed a number of them who didn't listen to a word I said and just told me what I needed to do after one minute of talking with me. And, uh, you know, th those are the folks that, that uh, you want to steer clear from. Yeah, David, I was in the insurance business for about five minutes. Let me tell you how to make Lumen more successful. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. That's right. So the, That's other, right. the other thing you said in there that I, I don't want to let you just skim over is you said burn the ships, right? Burn the boats. I know, yeah. from, I know from my own career, I was trying to do this speaking and training stuff on the side. And then when I got laid off on April 1st, 2009, 11 years ago, I was in both feet were in because I didn't have another job and it was the recession. There were no jobs. And yeah, there's an old Texas saying that when you chase two pigs, you won't catch one. And uh, that's what I discovered is, is once I burned the boats, I was able to find success. Yeah, I could, it depends on everybody else's situation. You know, it, it, for me, um, I was in a situation that was comfortable. 
you know, making, you know, sales guide, insurance agency do, doing well, making good, good six figure salary. Like, the, I mean, things are great. Uh, everybody's, everybody's happy. Um, but I just kind of felt like there was something else I needed to be doing and, and seeing that unmet need in the market, uh, you know, kind of thought about it. And, and like I said earlier, thinking about writing about, you, know, you create your business plan and talk to people and, and still never do anything. <laughs> um, and, and I think that's, that's really what, where this came from was um, working through it. I was kind of moving from quarter to quarter or, you know, Hey, at the end of this year, if this didn't happen or if this happens, then I'll do that and keep pushing it out and pushing it out. And eventually uh, I looked up and was like, man, another year has gone by. I, I think it's time to just <laughs> make a change here um, for various reasons. But, um, you know, at that point I just put in my resignation letter. I didn't have anything lined up. Um, didn't know exactly what I was going to do, but, but knew that I needed to burn the boat in order to move on to the next chapter of my life. So I have kind of a weird question that I've been asking the last several episodes on, on this, or oh, many, many of these episodes, and, and it didn't come up in the, in the pre-questions because I've added it. So it's something I went through kind of in my own career recently, discovering that maybe I let the little voices in my head go negative, and sometimes our mindset can really trigger us. How important do you think it is for an entrepreneur or any type of business leader, I guess, to really have faith in themselves or, or believe in themselves and to like themselves in order to be successful? Oh, wow. Uh, that, that, that's deep. I think we might need a, a couch and a, <laughs> uh, maybe an ottoman and uh, perhaps a beer for that one. Um, I, you know, there's that negative self-talk type, type deal going on there. I think it goes back to the, uh, friends and who you seek wise counsel from. And I think, I mean, I, I'm not trained in any of this stuff, but all I know is, is what's in my own head. And a lot of times I, I mentioned earlier that your, your family doesn't want to see you fail. You don't want to see yourself fail either. You don't want to see yourself get hurt either. And so you've got this little voice in your head that's almost playing devil's advocate with everything you're bringing up. You're kind of weighing the pros and cons and, uh, you know, what, what's the likely out, outcome here and, and uh, you know, what's the risk? And um, I think that many times we kind of get in our own way and get in our own head and uh, talk ourselves out of things that, that we really should have done or, or want to do or still, you know, would regret not doing. And um, I don't know if that helps answer the question or not, but that, that's a pretty loaded question. <laughs> yeah, I like to throw people off with that one a little bit. No, that was that was the right answer. There, there are no wrong answers on cool things entrepreneurs do. So what, what I do in my work is I, is I have this, this discussion that I do with businesses called the performance gap. How do you yeah. overcome the paradox of potential? And what I've discovered through my research is for many people, not everybody, but many, there is a gap between their potential that they have and the results that they get. There's a gap, you know, the, from the performance that they're delivering in their careers. So how come, I mean, you, you're an entrepreneur, you've worked with a bunch of salespeople in, in your past, and now you work with all these sort of startup companies. Why do you think some people are able to get farther across that gap from potential to performance while others get stuck? Yeah, I, probably a number of reasons, you know, I, I, all I can think about is, is a, like a sports analogy, right? Um, 
you know, it could stem from vision casting or, or you know, what direction are you heading? You know, what, where, where, are you, where do you need to be? Um, who do you want to be? That kind of thing uh, could, could come from, uh, you know, team buy-in or individual buy-in. Could come from work ethic. Uh, could come from external circumstance. Um, you know, your own self-accountability. Um, and then, and then being able to improve yourself when you fall short. Um, you know, what, one thing that I would say is that, uh, some of the smartest people that I've ever been around always, uh, are improving themselves in, in some way. Um, they're always striving for the next thing. Once they reach one goal, they're, they're hitting the next. And, um, I think that that is the best way for somebody to, to bridge that gap is, is to never feel like you've made it. Uh, you look at Tom Brady. I, I think he, he still has something to accomplish, you know, um, and he's arguably the best quarterback that's ever played in the NFL. And uh, depends who you talk to, but yeah, it depends on who you talk to. Of course. I, I, I hear you. My, my brother, my brother's a Jets fan and he, uh, he won't let you get away with saying that, but. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, the stats may may disagree with your brother in many cases, um, but so twelve w- twelve years ago, that- twelve years ago, I had the honor of being at the Super Bowl, and it was uh-huh. uh, it was the Giants versus the uh, it was the Giants versus uh, the the Patriots, and uh, I didn't have a horse in the race, but mm-hmm. I had some friends who were from New York, and so for them, I cheered you know, for, for the giants and, uh, watch the giants actually beat Tom Brady. That one, that one great super bowl that that happened. So uh, I've always, yes. held, I've always held on that. I'm, I'm more of a giants fan than a Patriots fan solely because I was there cheering for the giants. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I, I think, you know, in, in all of that, I just think that there is, even when you're at the top, those, when those people are at the top, they just never stop. There's still right. something more to accomplish. And, um, you know, that continual improvement uh, is, is really what, what bridges that, that gap. And uh, I mentioned earlier, you I mean, were talking about, you know, failure and falling short and all the stuff in the man in the arena speech. I mean, we fall short. Every, nothing's perfect. Um, everybody, you know, Tiger Woods has a swing coach. Yeah, everybody's got something to work on. <laughs> and uh, I can tell you that uh, I am working on all kinds of stuff every day. And You, you and uh, me both. And, and trying to get better at all of it. And, and this, this, again, stems, it spans personal business, relationships, everything. It's There's continual improvement all across the board. So, David, I've got a couple more questions for you. But first, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. Podfly sets you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. (laughs) They do all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like David Perez. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So, David, this episode is co-produced with the Austin Technology Council. So why do you think Austin has such a great vibe for entrepreneurship? 
other than the uh, breakfast tacos, the lake, and and uh, the beautiful views. You know, I think you're onto something that nobody's brought up before. I think yeah. we have great entrepreneurs because we have the best breakfast tacos in the world. So you go that in, is. you got a little protein, you got some eggs and cheese, maybe some chorizo. No wonder people are excelling in Austin. That's, that's right. And the tax incentive, incentives help. I'm, I'm sure, you know, state income taxes and, and things like that in other states can be uh, detrimental to income. So uh, that, that might help too. But uh, in all seriousness, I, you know, I kind of came into Austin as an outsider. I grew up in Houston. I'm a native Texan, but that doesn't mean that I'm an Austinite. Um, and so when I got, when I uh, got out of the military and was, I was in California for a while, I was in Wyoming. And when I separated in 2010 and came to Austin, didn't have a business network set up. And um, I would say that, that most people that I met uh, were extremely helpful in helping me succeed. And it, it, it was, it could be small things like, Oh, you know, you want to do this? Oh, great. I know so-and-so do you want me to make an introduction? And Oh, have you thought about this? And it, it just people are willing to help. And I think that is a huge, huge uh, contrast to other places that I've lived. Um, and, and uh, from what I hear in other communities and things like that. Um, Cause that, when that stems into uh you know, on the business executive level or on, uh, you know, a, a talent pool level, um, when people are trying to help each other succeed, everybody starts to succeed. And, uh, and I think that that's something that's, that's really unique. So it really boils down to the people and the mentality of, of just being helpful here in, in the uh, Austin startup tech community. Yeah, and I think organizations like the Austin Technology Council do a very good job of bringing people together and allowing those conversations to begin. And I think all cities don't necessarily have that. So I think we're very fortunate here to have ATC and so many other organizations that really do help facilitate that networking and that connection. And then, like you said, it's just a friendly town where people do want to help out. So before we kind of wrap up, you know, I think we have somebody here who's an expert for small business when it really comes to insurance. Can we Mm -hmm. just take a minute to talk about what entrepreneurs need to know about business insurance? Yeah. um, All in like two minutes, whatever. Sure, sure. um, Every situation is different. And, and, uh, you know, the startups that I talk to are at different stages in in growth. Some are in in, uh, stealth mode and can't even tell me the name of the company. And then some... You know, they're in the news is, and everybody knows. Is it that. harder to get insured if you can't write down the name of the company on a form? <laughs> you, you can't get insured if you don't write down the legal name of the company. <laughs> that, 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 I, I mean, I'm no expert, but that sounded like, you know, we probably need to have that taken care of. That's right. That's right. No, I, I think people just get, you know, super secretive of, of what they're working on, which is fine, which is fine. They just don't want to release what they're working on to the, to the outside public. Um, but we still have to know what you're doing and, and the legal name of the company in order to even begin a conversation. Um, but what I would say is, is, um, you know, it, I write about, I write blogs just to be helpful. Um, I answer questions that I, that I get from a lot of the, uh, you know, startup community. I was riding the elevator with, with an entrepreneur the other day and, and, uh, one of their advisors, they hadn't raised, uh, institutional funds yet. So they didn't have necessarily that, that individual on their board, but, uh, he said, Oh yeah, you should get DNO from Dave. And, and we had a good conversation and we rode the elevator uh, together. And as the advisor got off, 
the entrepreneur turns to me and said, what's DNO? <laughs> and uh, so there's a lot of education that needs to go on on, on what these things are. And he wasn't there yet. Um, but, but uh, you know, just, just knowing what to look for moving forward, whether it's a business owner policy or directors and officers insurance around a funding event. Uh, sometimes key man life is involved with that. Um, you know, signing a commercial lease might kick off uh, some, some events and, um, or some policies that need to be put in place and, and uh, large client contracts, uh, those can kick off you know, cyber liability limits that are higher than what you already have or um, errors and emissions limits or, or things like that. I mean, those are all the things that we're working through. I think the main thing is like put us in the category with your lawyer. Um, you know, we just kind of need to know what you're working on uh, so we can, we can know how to navigate uh, the waters in those uh, in those situations. And, and we're here to help you uh, do that. And so education, uh, you know, keeping us informed, seeing us as a true partner, not just a, a vendor that you, you know, uh, it's not like Amazon where you just, you know, I need a policy. I need it tomorrow. I need it on my doorstep, by the way. <laughs> um, you know, there, there's a lot more to it so uh, than that. Do you, do you work with companies all over the state, all over the country? What's your, what's your reach? Yeah. So uh, great question. We've got clients in Australia, um, we've got UK, we've got uh, clients in California, Virginia, all, all over. Um, but the one common thing is that there's some sort of tie back to Central Texas. Either the lawyers here, um, a, a buddy from college, their, their uh, you know, college roommate or whatever, Warden was, you know, started a company and they're in Chicago. So, so maybe we're working with them because of that connection. There's always some sort of connection back here, which goes back to my comment on, on the, uh, you know, relationship and being helpful aspect of, of the community here in Austin. Um, I, I think that's, that's, um, you know, the, the main deal. So we, we work with, with folks all over, uh, you know, mostly, mostly Texas though. But so, so if someone is thinking, yeah, I should talk to somebody, how do they find you? Where do they, where do they go to get in touch with, with Lumen? I mean, there's always a website. It's a little cold, but uh, lumeninsure.com. Uh, we, we're pretty playful on social media. We try to stay active and, and have lots of uh, you know, movie references from the 90s and 80s and dad jokes and, and things like that, that that are also helpful for uh, startups uh, to, to kind of look at. Um, we also pump up our clients as much as possible. We've got clients that are working on some really cool things like, uh, you know, Whirly's company uh, doing quantum computing with strange works. And we had Charlie on here before from Valkyrie intelligence. I mean, there's, there's really some uh, cool technologies that are being developed out of Austin. And, and when these folks are successful, we want to, we want to help them celebrate that. And so, you know, we try to keep up with the news there and, and pump up our clients and, sure. um, you know, so there, there's there's stuff that's helpful for entrepreneurs uh, on social media as well. And then, like I mentioned earlier, the, the blogs we have, um, you know, some of them are, are extremely helpful. They're very short and to the point and often funny because insurance is inherently a dry topic to talk about. <laughs> so lots of along came Polly uh, and, and office space references. Um, you know, we try to make it as light as possible. Keep it light because people don't read a 10 page uh, synopsis on on one sliver of, of what we do. They don't have time for that. And so uh, try to make it short, try so, to make it light and try to make it helpful. 
So David, a couple of last kind of quick questions that I love to ask the people who come on this show. And the first one is when you look out at the world of entrepreneurs, because David, we could talk about you and Lumen Insurance all day long and the Austin Technology Council. We could make this a three hour podcast. However, I think great entrepreneurs are observers. So I love to ask when you look out at the world of entrepreneurship, who do you say, wow, she or he, they're doing the cool stuff. I mean, uh I don't necessarily want to pull out like an individual, but I, I will pull out, um, you know, just, just the clients that we work with. It, it amazes me um, how smart some of these folks are. Um, well, I had know. Charlie from Valkyrie on. And by the end of the podcast, I told I had finished recording and I walked in, I told my wife, I go, I feel stupid because he's yes. freaking a genius. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I feel like that pretty much every time I talk to a client, um, and in some cases, I was I was talking to um, the COO of a company, and, and he's not a technical guy, and, and so we're kind of walking through, like you know, walk me through what you're doing here. And he's like, "Man, I'll be honest with you, I, I have a hard time grasping what, what we're doing too." So he's the COO of the company, uh, so it, you know, it's, it's said in jest. Of course, he knows what they're doing, but sure. uh, there's some people working on really cool things, and, and I think that. Um, a lot of those folks that are, are repeat entrepreneurs here in Austin um, who have been successful often becomes, uh, they often become mentors and advisors for other entrepreneurs and other companies. Uh, you know, they might become angel investors or, or just, you know, be open to a coffee. And I think, I think, again, it goes back to that, that community and being supportive and helpful, pouring back into others uh, when you actually have, uh, something to share or a story to share uh, or advice that's that's extremely valuable to share uh, with with folks who, who need it and who are open to it. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. That's that's not just the best entrepreneurs. That's the best people is the people who are yes, willing just to have yeah, that. Absolutely. That, that absolutely. Um, you don't have to be an entrepreneur to do that for sure. Hey, the and, last the last question up. is. What do you do to give back to the greater good? Because I think entrepreneurs, I think if, we, if we're able to do what we do, we're fortunate. And I think if we're fortunate, we have a lot of responsibility to find a way to serve others. So, so what do you do? So I, I work with a lot of nonprofits uh, and, and they happen to be called technology startups. <laughs> um, no, I do, I do give a lot of free advice. Um, I err on the side of, you know, just being helpful, um, because that's how people treated me, uh, when I was kind of trying to navigate through, through some waters that I didn't know, uh, people were very helpful. Um, but, uh, I would say, you know, just kind of corporately, if you will, um, I volunteer with mass challenge. I do some of the, the judging and, and, you know, the pitch competitions, things like that. Been into WeWork and, and galvanize and, and just helping entrepreneurs either, uh, you know, in a group setting or, or one-on-one just talking through what do you need? When do you need it? And, and what, are, what are other people doing at, at, at your stage? Uh, it seems to be very, very helpful. Um, also serve on some nonprofit boards, like uh, true nonprofit boards, not startups, but um, most of those really come from scholarships. And um, you know, I, I grew up in Houston, a uh, single parent family, uh, three kids, uh, financial situation wasn't, you know, uh, terrible, but uh, definitely needed some assistance getting through college. So with a combo of grants and scholarships, loans and working through school, kind of kind of made it through. And if you think about where some of those come from, you know, you have to pay taxes. So 
some of those come from, uh, you know, not very heartfelt places and, and loans. Somebody's making money off the loan for sure. But scholarships, what I discovered was, was uh, coming from a place of just sheer generosity. Uh, nobody's asking anybody to, or nobody's making anybody give us, give a dollar for scholarships. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, when I, when I got out of the military, I, I was very active in uh, helping a few organizations with the uh, fundraising activities for scholarships. And, uh, you know, hey, if there's a kid that's smart enough and willing to put in the work to, to get into school and, and um, the only thing that's holding them back is a little financial need, you know. Awesome. Uh, I, I think that that's a, a noble cause and, and uh, have that definitely supported that. Well, David, thank you so much for being a guest here on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Tom. And thank you to the Austin Technology Council for, again, being my partner in 2020 for these once a month episodes that will be geared towards the Austin technology community. But really, it's advice that works for anybody, whether they're in Austin, whether they're in Houston, whether they're in New York or whether they're in some other country around the world. As people do listen to this show from, I think I've been downloaded in something like 80-something different countries over the five and a half years. So if you're listening to this from afar, reach out. You can find me on Twitter, at Cool Podcast, or at Tom Singer. Uh, If you like the show, go on to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Uh, But most importantly, go tell other people. Uh, When I talk to people who listen to this show, I ask them, how did you find it? And they always tell me, hey, I found it because somebody referred it to me, a coworker, a friend, their mom, etc., Uh, Please come back in a couple of days because we're going to have an interview with somebody just as cool as David Prince. (laughs) I know you're thinking, how will you find anybody that cool? But we always are able to do it. But in the meantime, go out there, grab hold of that entrepreneurship that maybe you want to go start that business. Start figuring it out. Put your ladder against the right wall. Try new things. And while you're at it, have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>